Hey guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and that is Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the most premium, high-quality, science-backed products on the market in Australia today, and you guys can use the code TFLP to save 10% off your next order at unifyactive.com. Unify has a range of products, including whey protein isolate, plant-based protein, a pre-workout, creatine monohydrate, and their best-selling product, the Hydration Formula. So again, use that code TFLP to save 10% at unifyactive.com. Hi guys, I'm Tashar Menon, CEO and founder of My Muscle Chef. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Tashar, welcome to the show, mate. Thank um, you. Firstly, thanks so much for having us. This facility is incredible, um, and we've My really pleasure. been looking forward to this one. And also, thanks so much for the um, the building of the relationship and the partnership over the last no, 12 to it. 24 months. It's been awesome. Likewise, mate. Thank you. Mate, when you started My Muscle Chef back in 2013, mm-hmm. um, I believe it was a small family business back then. Yes. Was the vision to get the company to the point it is today and to have this you know, amazing facility and to be reaching as many people as you are? To be honest, no, not at the start. Um, when we first initially started, it was just we wanted to start our own business for ourselves. My brother and I, since you know, ever since we were younger, we had something we always wanted to do. So my brother was the first one. So he started his entrepreneurial journey a lot before before I did. So mm-hmm. I was actually working full time. Yep. And then, yeah, I guess seeing him being an entrepreneur, I sort of got that bug as well. And then I was working full time. And um, so I was going to the gym. I'd make, do my meal prep every single day. And then I was doing that for about maybe two years. And then it got to a stage where I just got sick of doing it every morning. And then I started Google searching. And I'm like, surely there's more people out there like me that are looking for a healthy meal that's mm-hmm. not for weight loss. You know, you go into the gym, you're looking to put on muscle. And surprisingly, there was nothing available. And my brother was overseas at the time. So I called him up and said, look, I have this great idea. And I think we're onto something here. But at that point... We had no sort of ambitions to make it how big it is today. It was just a, a gap we saw in the market thing, yeah. and I wanted to be an entrepreneur like he was. Yep. And we're like, okay, let's just try this and see how it goes. That's That was the start. Amazing. And so how did that first 12 months look and how did that kind of play out? First 12 months? Okay. So we both have no background in, in food or hospitality mm-hmm. at all. And um, we've never sort of owned or started a business. No one in our family has ever started a business either. So it was very new to us. So a lot of learning. So I would say the first six months I, I kept working full time. So did Nish. And we just learned as much as we could. So with food, it, it can be, get a bit challenging in terms of understanding all the legal requirements. I had to learn all of that. Sure. Uh, so we spent a bit of time doing that. Then it got to a stage where, look, we've read enough. I think we've learned enough. Let's just try. And we ended up finding a kitchen in Potts Point was a very tiny kitchen uh, at the back of a restaurant. It was enough for what we needed at the time. And that's where we hired our first chef and that's where things kicked off. So I was still working full time. I'd mm-hmm. go in there after work and help out the chef. My brother would come in after work and we'd do the delivery sort of overnight. And that's how it all kicked off. Wow. And we had no, no dollars for marketing. So all we did was we'd set up sampling stations at gyms. Nice. Uh, so I'd go there sort of between 4 to 7 p.m set up a table, have some samples, have a flyer. So as people walked out the door, I'd give them a meal and a flyer with a discount. And that was how we marketed. One of the things that I have loved about My Muscle Chef since I first tried them is the fact that in comparison to a lot of other companies, they come fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, the meals themselves are, are 
kind of meals that people would have regularly, even if they weren't yes. tracking their calories or whatever as well. So I guess the appeal mm. for the variety of meals and whatnot is really good as well. Yep. Was that always the intention to keep it, you know, obviously niche in terms of mm-hmm. helping people with what their desired goal was? In this case, it was you know, yes. having meals prepped for muscle and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, tapping into markets that aren't kind of looking at these and going, oh, this is only for bodybuilders. Definitely. So it sort of helped that we didn't have a lot of food background. So when we started, we just wanted the food to taste great. Mm-hmm. And one thing I had about dieting when I was doing it myself was it didn't taste very good because yeah. I couldn't really cook very well. Yeah, and I did a few preps. As, I did a few comps as well. Right, okay. That was by far the least exactly, favorite part. Exactly, you because know, yeah. if you're, you're training so hard, you want to go home and have a nice meal. And it's tough when you're having your same old chicken, brown rice, yeah. and plain broccoli all the time. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure that when you make healthy food, it shouldn't be a compromise. You know, there's mm-hmm. no reason why healthy eating can't taste good. Mm-hmm. And that was our philosophy from day one. Like, how can we create a menu? How can we create meals that people actually enjoy? So it's not, it doesn't feel like dieting is something that you're forced to do. Yep. And it's not sustainable in the long run. You know, I've tried that in the past where I'm super strict and I'm not enjoying what I'm eating. And then you end up binging after a few weeks because yeah. you've restricted yourself for so long. So what we want to do is make sure when you're eating your meals every single day, you actually enjoy it. So even if you, you know, you are dieting, you're enjoying the journey. And then mm-hmm. that way the results are feel a lot more sustainable long-term. Was there was the goal to tap into the market of like those that were tracking their macros? I know like within mm. say the flexible dieting community as well, it's obviously yes. a a big thing to be able to keep a lot of variety with your mm. meals, as you said, not sticking to just chicken, brown rice and broccoli, whatever it may be. Yeah. Was that the kind of target initially? Like people who were who are already tracking their food or is it just in general anyone who um, wants to eat healthy? At the start it w- I would say it was more specific to um, people that wanted to eat quite strict. Yep. Um, we branched out our menu to a more, I guess, a more flexible approach probably a couple of years into the business once mm-hmm. we got feedback from our customers um, and we uploaded all our um, meals to MyFitnessPal just to make it yeah. easy for customers to track it. Yep. And um, ever since we did that, that's when I guess the business really took off because we appealed to a, a more broader audience. It wasn't your very niche sort of um, fitness enthusiast or gym junkie that was mm. being very strict with their food applied to anyone that was counting their macros, not necessarily going to the gym, but they play sport or they have an active lifestyle yeah. and they want to you know, count what they're eating every yep. single day. Once we branched out into that market, that's when we saw some real growth. Yeah. So how far into was it, how far into the journey was it when you were able to step away from full-time work and go all in with this? Six months. Six months. Six months, wow, yeah. That's quite quick. Yeah, yeah. So first six months was, it was pretty rough. Um, that's the main reason. I don't think the business could still sustain me. Um, I probably left a bit too early. We still needed my salary to pay wages and things. But yeah. I just was really, really tough. passionate about it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just wanted to give it all. I felt like working full time and doing this on the side wasn't giving it all the love and attention it needed mm-hmm. to really take off. So my brother kept working full time. He, I think yep. he did about nine or 10 months. Okay. But after about six months, I was done and I was full time in there. Do you have any advice for someone that's listening or watching at the moment that whether it's in this industry or not, that does have that side hustle that they're trying to build up? Like yes. if you, with some perspective now, looking back at how you approached it, is yeah. there anything that you would recommend in terms of how to make that transition as smooth as possible? Or do you feel the fact that you put yourself in the uncomfortable position and, and kind of went all in and gave yourself no other option? Yes. Do you reckon that's the reason why it did go so well? Definitely. And look, everyone's circumstances are different. When I first started, I needed to work full-time just to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go all in if you, I guess, have um, funds that can help yeah. support your business. Backing, so, yeah, yeah your, everyone's circumstance will be different. But I would say that once I went all in, that's when the business really started taking off because I didn't have to worry about work. Yeah. And, you know, the stress related to my, my day job as well. Mm-hmm. But at the start, I did need to do it. But the moment I stopped that, then it was, yeah, all systems go. 
So you're six months in and you go full-time with this, um, with My Muscle Chef, and then it continues to grow. What did that kind of journey look like? Obviously, that's what, 10 years? 10 years, 10 ago, years yeah. ago now. It was 10 years in February. Yeah. That's crazy. So what did that look like in terms of the process of, as, as it got bigger, like mm-hmm. what were the steps you needed to take in order to keep the company growing and yeah. you know, I guess transition and grow with the company? Sure. So um, our number one focus when we started and still is today was our customers. Mm. And again, not being in business before almost helped in the sense that we created our own rules. Yep. And our focus always was to make sure every single customer has a fantastic experience. So when we started, our first week was four deliveries, four customers. And the next week was 20 and 30 and sort of slowly built up. But when it was a small number of customers, it was easy for us to have that direct interaction. We delivered the orders ourselves. We did the customer service ourselves too. And we just made sure every single interaction with the customer is perfect. And if yep. we do stuff up, we make sure we rectify it as soon as we can. Mm. So, for example, you know, we'd miss a delivery in Canberra and, and a courier would take it. So my brother and I would fight over who has to drive all the way to Canberra to deliver one box. Yeah, right. But, you know, we wanted to make sure that customer doesn't go without their food because they've paid for it. Yeah. You know, so we need to make sure we service that customer. So that was our number one priority as we were growing. No matter what other obstacles came our way, we made sure that customer experience was number one mm. and the quality of our product. And that helped in even though we didn't have a lot of marketing dollars, our retention was really, really good. So yes. we may not have been acquiring a lot of customers in the first few years, but everyone that Repeat ordered customers, stayed yeah. with us. We only started really marketing our business, I would say about four years in. The first four years, there was zero dollars spent on advertising. It was mm-hmm. just gym samplings, word of mouth. And that's all we could, I guess, handle at the time as well because our kitchen was pretty small yeah. and we were learning as we went. So we didn't, I guess, necessarily need massive influx of orders because mm-hmm. we couldn't handle it. Yeah. So it worked out well in that regard. But to answer your question, yeah, the number one focus in that first few years was purely customer service and quality. I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot with does, with yeah. startups and entrepreneurs and, and those that are selling services or products is the the focus is so much on, you know, the next client or the next customer or the next product being mm-hmm. sold without much thought on, as you said, retention and yes. relationship building and mm-hmm. taking care of the ones that you've actually got. Correct. Um, and it goes such a long way because, you know, I talk about it with even with PTs and trainers, it's like mm. everyone's so focused on getting more clients. But yes. if you're losing two or three clients a month and gaining two or three, then you're stuck in the same spot, e- aren't exactly, you? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that principle applies when you're a small business, but even more important when you're a big business. Because you yes. have the luxury of spending more money on advertising, and but you're not looking at you know this massive leak mm-hmm. of customers that are churning through every single week. Yeah. So having that mentality day one and even now has been a huge part of our success. Are you able to give us an idea of you said it was kind of four years until you went into some kind of paid marketing yes. and, and any marketing at all. Yes. What's that look like in terms of a, a month of marketing now? I'm assuming it's quite quite big. Um, you mean back then compared to now? Yeah. Oh, there's no comparison. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. comparison at yeah. all. Yeah. And when do you find that's essential now in terms of where the company is and in order for you to keep growing? Obviously, course. the customer um, the customer journey and, and their satisfaction is still of the highest priority, but yes. there's a lot of time and money that has to go into marketing. Definitely. And look, it's a very competitive space now as well. When, um, when we started, we had the luxury of being one of the only players in the market. Mm. Like I said, I started the business because I couldn't find anything when I searched online. Yeah. There's nothing available. So the first few years was a bit easier because there wasn't a lot of competition. And, you know, we got good traction through word of mouth. But as we scaled, um, other I guess, businesses have seen our success, have tried yep. to you know, sort of copy replicate what we're doing, yeah. replicate it. And we, there's a lot of competitors in the space now. Yep. So um, you have to spend the, the marketing dollars to make sure that your brand is, you know, relevant and, um, you know, sort of cuts through the noise as well. Yeah. I mean, as the 
as the company grows as well, um, I, I guess, and there's more competition and mm-hmm. people are kind of replicating the, the process. Yes. That's only a good thing for you guys and I guess it, it allows you to keep the competitiveness up as well and of stay course. on top of your game and not get too complacent with where you guys are Definitely, at. Definitely, yeah. You know, it's um, always say to the team, it was easy when we were smaller and chasing the number one spot because you have that drive to be the best and now yep. that we are the market leader, it's important not to be complacent and yep. still have the mentality we did five years ago when we were chasing the number one spot. Mm. That way, you know, you, you never settle and you make sure that our quality and customer service is still how it was when we were a smaller business. Yeah. And and that's, yeah, that's super important. Obviously, with the facilities big and as the company's growing and whatnot, and the, um, I would imagine you've got a lot of staff now as well. Mm. Like, yep. how did you find that process in terms of bringing people in, making sure their values and their qualities are the same as what your kind of vision is for yep. My Muscle Chef? making sure everyone's on the same page and, and then having to then learn how to manage people as well as the company grew. Yeah. How did that process look for you? And um, I guess, what does that look like for someone that comes in? Like, are they getting introduced to every kind of vision and, and quality that you guys want to uh, represent? Yeah, so at, uh, initially it was definitely a challenge. Um, Nish and I were quite young when we started the business. I was 21, mm. he was 26 and didn't have a lot of experience, I guess, with managing people or leadership. Yeah. So a lot of learning at the start. But we were very lucky. We found some great people along the way. And we have staff that have been with us. One of our staff members has been here almost 10 years. Wow. So he was one of our first staff that we hired back in awesome. our small kitchen, you know. So what we, I think what we did well was in the first few years, we set up a really strong foundation. So we yeah. handpicked the leaders of the business back then that are still with us today. Mm-hmm. And as we have new staff coming on board, they, you know, they're looking up to their, their managers and their leaders that already live and breathe the values of My Muscle Chef. And it's important that we kept those people from the start to make sure that, you know, they can relate to how it used to be and how it is it is now. Yeah. And uh, it's nice for new staff that come in to, you know, be around people that have been in the business for a while. It's not just as we've scaled, you know, we've only got new people in. We've been very lucky that our sort of older staff are still in the business. So yeah. you know, they live and breathe the valleys every single day. And having them around the office, it just allows our, um, I guess, the staff we got in the last two years as we've really scaled to you know, see how passionate they are about the business. That's infectious, which is why the culture in our business is so great. You know, mm. so very lucky we've got some amazing people in the business. Yeah, so almost applying the same, the same approach with, as you do with your customers, as you do with the the staff, and those are included. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And Nish and I were very hands on too. Um, so it probably took us a bit too long to let go of a few things. Mm. And um, that's advice I would give to someone else starting a business. Don't take so long to start delegating. Yes. Uh, I would say- Something comes up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So first four or five years of our business, we did literally everything. Like we wouldn't um, let go of even picking the boxes. Like we'd want to pack all the orders. This is like four years in. Yeah, right. You know, do customer service. We do deliveries. Like just wanted to be across everything. Yeah. But that helped in- not only understanding every part of the business, that way when we scale and you know, we still have good visibility, it's not like we outsource from day one and we don't understand the intricate details of yeah, how the exactly. business operates. So that in the business is very, very yeah. handy. Um, and also the, the staff that we work with back then have seen what we've gone through because we've worked with them when times were very, very tough. We've yeah. got our hands dirty so that respect is there and that mutual respect exists. So as the business is scaled, again, the reason they're so passionate is they've seen us through that journey at the very beginning. That's awesome. Yeah. For the 
people who the customers that are listening to the podcast or watching at the moment because I know there are a lot of them um, I'm sure they'd be interested to to have an understanding or a bit of an insight as to what actually goes on behind the scenes before they get their meals like yeah in the kitchen like what's the process from start to finish and sure. delivery yeah yep so we we make our, our meals fresh every single week so uh, we almost make the meals to order so we don't really carry a lot of stock so we have a rough indication of the orders that will come in for the week and that's mm-hmm. how we produce our food uh, right. which is how we get the shelf life and the freshness of the product yep. so it's not like they're prepared weeks in advance or anything like that so every week we'll get um, a fresh delivery of our all our produce in so our vegetables are delivered every single day our chicken beef comes in fresh every single day so from there it goes to our kitchen where the meals are produced um, so we run that 24 7 mm-hmm. so each shift will produce its own a um, lot of dishes usually we'll do about 10 dishes per shift and that cycle runs twice a week so right. Uh, we have two to three cutoffs a week, so we're producing basically for each cutoff, which is why the meals are so fresh. So once the meals are produced, they go into our, our packing room where the meals are actually assembled by, by hand. Some of them are deposited into our trays, and that's where the meals get vac-sealed and then stored, and then we have deliveries going out every single day as well. So we deliver all across Australia. So it's a continuous cycle. We'll, yeah. we'll cook, we'll chill it, we'll pack it, it gets dispatched within 24 to 36 hours. So wow. from, let's say if you're in Sydney Metro, because yep. we're in Sydney, a meal you're eating today most likely was cooked two days ago. You know, so yeah. there might be some meals obviously yeah, slightly yeah. older, but that's how fresh the product is. So we're getting stock in every single day, producing it and then setting it out the door. That's amazing. Obviously the quality is super high. You would have to, I would imagine, um, for you to keep the quality that high, you have to make some sacrifice in terms. Obviously, it'd be easier to, to just cook them, freeze them, and send them out. So, correct. The fact that there's so much emphasis on the quality, I feel, is is such a a factor as to why your customer base is so loyal. Exactly, and in a, in such a competitive environment, that you know everyone says that they have the best quality, but you know you have to live and yeah. breathe that in the business as well. Yep. And um, that's something we're very proud of, and the reason why our customers stay for as long as they do is because of the emphasis that goes into the quality of the product. And mm. although there's rising costs at the moment with, um, as you know, in supermarkets, yeah. you know, it's pretty expensive to do your groceries these days. We haven't taken any shortcuts in terms of the type of chicken we use or the, the meat or the vegetables. Everything's the same. Yeah. And we've tried to absorb as much of the cost as we can. That way our customers, you know, they're still getting really good value for their money. That's awesome. You often hear any successful business or company or product in particular, like, for example, look at something like Apple, mm. like they say, do one thing or a few things extremely well and, yes. and not try and spread yourself too thin with a bunch of different options, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, my muscle chef has, has transitioned into other products as well, yes. um, whether it be the, the muffins, cookies, mm. all that type of stuff, shakes yes. and everything. Is that something that's hard to, I guess, battle with sometimes when you see everything going so well, the, yeah. the want to then put more things out and test the waters there, but also stay true to what yeah. you're kind of known for? Of course, for? yeah. And Look, NPD is something I get very excited about. Mm. So sometimes a team has to rein me in because yeah. I want to do a million things at once. And like you said, we need to be pretty focused. And um, we, we only had meals for, I think, the first seven years or almost eight years. And that's when we, then we started launching our, our protein bars yeah. and bites and muffins and cookies. So we um, we almost did quite a few experiments to see what works. And we've reined, in, reined it in a little bit now because okay. we know yeah. uh, what um, snacks and drinks customers are willing to buy. But the number one focus is always meals. You know, we're, we're a ready meal business mm-hmm. and customers know us for our meals. So we need to make sure that although we try, you know, other categories, our meals are always the most important thing yeah. that we sell. And, you know, we don't get distracted doing other things and forget about yeah. what the core of the business is. Yeah. 
Yeah. What's the process in terms of adding in new meals, like different ideas and whatnot? Are you just yep. literally taking customer feedback? Is it yep. people within the staff that are just making ideas? Like how does that? Yes, look? a bit of both. Yeah. Um, we send out surveys pretty frequently mm. to our customer base uh, to get understanding of what they like, what they don't like. And um, we you know we use market data as well, see what flavors are trending. Yep. And we have an in-house team of, um, uh, we have a dietitianist and nutritionist that uh, comes up with the nutritional profile for the meals based on the feedback. Mm-hmm. And then we have a team of chefs that will bring those ideas to life. So based on what the NPD team and the dietitian will come up with, um, they'll pass those ideas onto the chef and then it's up to them to bring those uh, recipes to life in a commercial scale. Yeah. There's some things you can do in a home kitchen that you yeah. can't do in bulk. So that's a fine balance, okay, but yeah. we've got that right now. Um, so there's always a few limitations. So the you know the um, our team may have a few suggestions that might not be possible in a commercial in a commercial scale. Yeah, so okay. The chefs will work out what is possible, and right. that process they work clo- very closely together. Um, and then we do four meal launches every single year, which is seasonal. So we'll do one at the start of the year around Feb, mm-hmm. another one in May, then August and October. Great. Yeah. So they got the team's constantly working on the future menu launches. Yeah. So the meals that will come out um, in May, June, the team's working on that now, and awesome. they'll finalize that yep. shortly. Then they'll start working on the next round. So it's it's pretty good for me. I like uh, I like tasting food. So mm. I'm getting samples thrown at me all the yeah. time. So uh, sometimes it's hard to if I'm on a diet, it's hard to yeah. stick to that because I've yeah, got to eat food all day. Yeah. But no, not, not complaining. Yeah. No complaints there. Um, Shifting to you personally now for a little bit, as the company grew and obviously you mentioned right at the start, the whole reason it started is because you were into your training and and staying on top of your health and fitness. Was that something you found difficult as the company grew and you've got all these responsibilities and Mm -hmm. it gets quite overwhelming when there's many things to get done and whatnot? Staying on top of your routine, whether it be your workouts, Mm -hmm. obviously nutrition should should have been becoming a lot easier. Correct. Um, But what does a typical kind of day look like for you in terms of your health and fitness and I guess mental health as well, mindset side of things? Um, I love training. Uh, It's my sort of escape every single day. So I usually, I'll train um, seven days a week, but I'll do weights five days a week. Mm -hmm. And if I don't train on a day, I just don't feel right. It's something I have to do. So I have a dog, so I'll take my dog for a walk um, every morning. Um, And then I also do weight training um, at night time. Yeah, so... That has to be done. If yeah. I don't, if I don't get my weights in, then I'm I'm not very happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. So in terms of weight, in terms of my training, I'm I'm really really good. Uh, in terms of nutrition, I, I think my biggest problem is I often don't eat enough. Yep. Because uh, I get really busy during the day, but having the meals here is is very very handy. Yeah. So I do like cooking as well. So I've started cooking a little bit right. since starting you know, <laughs> the business and being around so many chefs. Yeah. So um, during the day, I'll grab a couple of my MasterChef meals, but usually I'll make my own dinner because I actually enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh, but I always have meals in the fridge when, you know, some days you're not bothered. So I'll just, mm-hmm. it's, it's convenient to have them there. But it, w- it was tough though, to your question earlier, at the, in the early days, uh, my training fell off. Yeah. Because I just didn't, so have, much on didn't your plate. have time. And I know that's an excuse is all you can always yeah. make time. But uh, it, I guess it wasn't a priority. And I made it a priority to go back into training because I felt like my mental and mental performance and just my mental well-being was a lot better when I was training. Mm-hmm. And when I stopped training, um, I felt like my performance, even just at work and general energy levels weren't that great. Yeah. But now that I've made it a priority to train, I feel better yeah. and I'm really healthy and you know that my energy level during the day is really, really good. That's so awesome. I made it a conscious decision that no matter how busy I am, um, I get out it's in the morning, go for a walk, that's out yeah. of the way. And then the weight training at night time, if I, I try to at least five times a week and yeah, I feel great after it. 
great. Do you have any staples in terms of maintaining, you know, things like clarity and, and headspace and whatnot? Obviously, with a lot going on, it can, yeah. can get quite overwhelming in the training and eating well and whatnot plays a big role in staying on top of it. But, you know, biohacking and morning routines and whatnot are obviously a real big um, yes. popular topic at the moment. Yeah. Is there anything that you like to do each morning or each night that you feel allows you to stay productive and on top of everything? Um, for me, um, in the morning, going for the walk for me is almost like a form of meditation mm. because I don't that's when my sort of my alone time. Yep. So it gives me time to think, reflect, and sort of think about what's coming up for the day. And mm. it's just time to myself. Um, I really enjoy uh, drive driving as well. Okay. So like on the weekend, I'll jump in the car and go for a two-hour drive and um, like early morning, usually yep. on a Saturday, and that's my alone time. Nice. And I'll just go to the beach and just go for a walk, and I've really enjoyed doing that, and that yep. allows me to unwind and just sort of think about the week. Mm-hmm. Uh by hacking, I'm not really sort of into that. I feel yeah. like if I eat well and I train well and I sleep well, um, overall I feel really, really mm-hmm. good. But I think in terms of morning routine, getting just out of the door and having that half night of myself in the morning makes a big difference. If I don't do that, if there's an early meeting or for some reason I can't make it, then my day doesn't feel right. So I have feel to do that first thing in the morning. I think just getting out and about is so important. That's awesome. Um have you had any mentors or people you look to in terms of the business side mm-hmm. of things? Uh, I, I know, I know for myself, as I started to really enjoy the business side of things more, and not just the fitness side, whether mm-hmm. it be with um, online coaching or with even with the podcast and yep. stuff. I, I really started to gravitate towards consuming content and mm-hmm. and kind of learning off uh, people who have been through the same process before. Has, is there anyone that you look to for advice, whether it be online or in person, in terms of mentors? Well, my business partners are great, great mentors for me, and um, they have a ton of experience that I can rely on if I ever have a tough situation. So, um, you know, we got the uh, investment from Quadrant a couple of years ago. They're great mm-hmm. to work with. And I have two other business partners, Ricky and James, that I've been working with for about three years now. Mm-hmm. And um, they, I, I would say, it's not like we have like a weekly mentoring session or anything like that. Yeah. But they're always there for me if I need help, and you know, they have. A lot more uh, business experience than I do, so any any situations where I need advice, I always go to them. Or you know how you know getting their perspectives on how to handle certain mm-hmm. scenarios. It's very handy having them there. So I think I've been very lucky that I have those um, business partners, and even just my, my brother. You know, yeah. having my brother there is I think big part of the success of the business is the fact that we both get along so well. Yeah, and we both have complementary skills. So yeah, okay. know, I look. Yeah. I'm very sort of hands-on operational, and Nish looks after the the tech and the cool. marketing side of the business, so which is why we don't clash too much. Yeah, uh, but and we have a lot of respect for each other. So when we were growing the business, you know, he wholehearted trust, trusted me to look after the operation side of it. I trusted him to look after the other side of it. So I think, and had then because he's not so involved in what I do, I can get an outsider's perspective if I'm doing something wrong and, and yeah. vice versa. So we always bounce ideas of each other. We don't disagree much, which might not be a good thing. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so we don't all, you know, which um, sometimes you're meant to disagree, but we tend to agree on most things. Yeah, right. Uh, but it, it's great. We have a really good relationship. So obviously my brother's there. And then uh, last but not least, my, my parents, of course. I'm a big part of the reason I'm here today is because of my parents. Yeah. And they were a big part of the business when we first started. You know, my dad was there in our first ever kitchen because he, he'd retired at the time. So he was helping me with, you know, packing the food and doing yeah. the deliveries. And, you know, he was a big part of it. And, He's a very, very hard, hard worker. He used to be in the army, so just seeing his discipline and you know, even at the age he was, he'd be up at four in the morning and help me with deliveries wow. and just having that lifestyle that was pretty inspiring yeah. for me as well. 
So I think uh, we've been very lucky to have a really good support network around us the entire journey of our business. Yeah, product of your environment. You know, yeah. They say you're the product of the five of people you spend the most time with definitely. or whatever it may yeah. be. But and even friends too. Yeah, definitely. Um, my friends are very understanding. Um, uh, I think the first two, three years of the business, I probably didn't speak to anyone. Yeah. It just, just went ghost mode. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't forget about me and, you know, still <laughs> kept all my close friends. Yeah, and, good. Um, which, is, yeah, which is very nice to have. I think there's a lot of value in what you said before as well around you and your brother. I think for a lot of people when they're starting a business, particularly when it's a partnership, yeah. the initial instinct is like, oh, we both have the same interests. We both love doing this. Let's start this. But that's when the clashes tend to occur exactly. because you're both doing the same thing. That's but right. if you can have someone complementing the things that your maybe your weaknesses exactly the effectiveness is so much better yeah and i'm telling Stay you out of each other's way that's one of the main reasons we did succeed at the start if we we're both operational dudes it wouldn't work so i had zero idea of tech and the online side of the business yeah. and, that, and i just trusted him to do it and, and vice versa so yeah spot on brilliant what's the vision for my muscle chef in the next you know it's been 10 years as you said in february so what's the the vision look like for the next five years for us at this stage, we just want to keep growing our brand awareness. Um, what's really exciting is we're still only scratching the surface, and um, although we've made some you know great head, um, you know, great um, progress in terms of who we are as a brand and people knowing the My Muscle Chef name now, seeing where you know we're in retail everywhere, which yeah. is, which really helps with that. I still feel like we're only scratching the surface, and um, there's a lot of exciting things we're working on in terms of NPD, just our brand, what we stand for, and we just want to keep growing. You know. My vision is to make this a household name. So, you know, five years from now, everyone in Australia knows who My Muscle Chef is. Because I'm sure even now there's a few people that might not know who we are. So we want to make it that household name, just like your, you know, your Nutri-Grain or your Vegemite. You know, if people yeah. say My Muscle Chef, you know exactly what we yeah. do and what we stand for. And that way when, you know, when you're younger and you're growing growing up, maybe you buy our snacks and as you get to an age where you buy our meals, you know, you, you've known us when you're growing up as well. So mm-hmm. just being that household brand is the vision for us and that's what's really exciting because we've done really well right now in the segment we're in but there's so much more room to grow i would imagine having your products in places like coles and woolies and or wherever they are at the moment yeah i I would have to make a big impact in that um, it has aspiration for sure definitely yeah and that was a really good move we we made about four years ago launching into retail so Mm. the first six years of the business was purely online yeah and um we were getting a lot of requests from our customers around being able to buy the meals out when they're out and about. Instantly, yeah. And that's how we thought, okay, let's let's try it. And um, four years later, we think we have almost five thousand stores now. <laughs> that's crazy, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, uh, we are in. We're going to be in about seven hundred Woolies pretty shortly. Um, we're in uh, coal stores. We're in um, independents like RGA, Ampol, BP. So the retail team's done a phenomenal job. And I feel like the retail business is a success story in itself within my muscle chef and it mm-hmm. started off with one person we hired one sales rep um who's the head of retail now his name yep. is alex and you know when he first started we're like he's a list of stores mate just go nuts that's great <laughs> and um that's when we had zero stores you know and thinking back now we've got yeah over five thousand, which is pretty amazing this is a random question but is there any pieces of software or apps in particular on your phone that you find for the entrepreneurs and, and people within business that are listening mm-hmm. that you find th- like staples in your day, whether it be for communications with team members, whether it be for productivity and organisation? Yep. Um, obviously, the social media one's uh, pretty self-explanatory, but yeah. um, is there anything that you use daily that you find really effective? Within our business, uh, there's two apps we use, so uh, Slack and yep. Asana. They're probably the two biggest and most useful. So Slack is so easy to communicate with the team 
And, you know, you can jump on phone calls and do huddles on that as well. Mm-hmm. And just super effective communication instead of having to send out emails all day. Yep. Um, I feel like we introduced that in our business uh, about f- three years ago now. And it's increased communication massively just between teams, between all the teams in the business. And everyone's adopted it, which is great. And then we use a project management tool called Asana, which is, you know, which clearly outlines all the projects, everyone involved, what the deliverables are and when it's due. And that makes project management and day-to-day tasks really, really easy. So between those two, uh, I think they're staples if you're starting a business, even in early days, no matter how big you are. For me, those two, yeah, very important. What does Tashar do outside of work if there's any time to do much outside of work? Obviously, you said you enjoy your drive. Yes. um, You enjoy walking the dog and whatnot. Is there anything, any uh, interests or hobbies outside of My Muscle Chef that you tend to gravitate towards? Um, To be honest, um, my... Training is definitely the the biggest thing. So on the weekends, I'll do really long training sessions or long walks, and I just like really being you know fit and active. I like going out with my friends. I love steak, so any, any excuse <laughs> to go out to grab a steak, I would definitely. Do Where's that. your favorite place in Sydney? Oh, favorite place would be Rockpool. Yeah, sure. for sure. We went to Woodcut last night, but Woodcut's I reckon really good too. it comes in comes second to Rockpool. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. So Rockpool is my favorite. So any excuse. To, yeah, I'm always hitting up my mates who wants to grab a steak this yeah. weekend. Um, I love watching the footy. I'm a massive NRL fan. Yeah. I go for the Panthers. Right. Yeah. So um, I love watching the footy. So on the weekend, I think I went to the pub twice just to watch the game and yeah. go for the <laughs> Great. Uh, so, yeah. So watching the footy, just hanging out with my friends. Um, I like the UFC too. So really Same. the UFC. Who, who, uh, who in the UFC are you a big fan of watching? Um, at the moment, I can't go past Volkanovski, of course. Yes, of course. And um, I really like Justin Gaethje as well. Yeah? Yeah. He's, he's a bit of a psychopath which i like oh 100 percent. yeah i'm yeah, um, i'm really looking forward to um obviously mcgregor's return hopefully yes hopefully, hopefully this year he's, yeah he's who, said it still for a while who knows but um <laughs> but that'd be interesting sugar sean's a good one to watch too yeah. he's super entertaining yeah um what about boxing Are you much of a fan of boxing um i watch it and i wouldn't say a big fan yeah i watched the tim zoo fight a couple of weeks yeah. ago that was how, pretty entertaining how good was uh, he, that yeah he did for that was an amazing well. event that was amazing yeah i wasn't expecting him to knock him out that quickly oh crazy um but yeah uh, that, that's how I usually keep myself busy on the weekends. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Um, I'm sure the, the listeners and the viewers of this episode will will really enjoy it as well. Um, thanks Pleasure. for everything they do, and I'm looking forward to seeing the, the growth of my muscle chef in the years to come. Um, and for everyone who has tuned in, if you've taken some value and you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to take a screenshot and share this one on your social media. Um, tag myself, tag Muscle Chef, of course. And of course, if you haven't tried my Muscle Chef before, you can use the code Danny20 to get 20 off your first order. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, but thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Cheers. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. 